What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murders. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome to the new listeners. Before we get started on today's episode, we've got a little bit of business to cover. We have another podcast, Speaking of Missing Persons. You should definitely go check that out. If you have a case that you want to hear on the show, send that to speakingofmurders at gmail.com. And if you want to see photos associated with today's episode, check out our Instagram. That's linked in the show notes and the episode notes. If you would like to support the show, There's two ways you can do that. You can share the show with somebody. Share it with a family member, a friend, a coworker, whoever. And if you want to go beyond that, uh, we do have a Patreon where we're putting out bonus episodes every other week. You would also get a shout out on the show. So anyway, I'm sure you regular listeners have noticed that it's just me and Sarah today. That's because Sam and Shauna are both sick. They came down with the sick. Yeah. So it's just going to be the two of us today. Sarah's going to be telling your story, obviously, and I'll just be here for moral support. (laughs) (laughs) So all of that stuff said, let's just hop right into it. Sarah, who are we talking about today? So we are talking about a girl named Sherry Newman. Okay. This is a listener request, right? Yes. Okay. Who was that? Uh, Uh, Janet. 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 Yeah, Janet F. Um, Thanks, Janet. Sorry it took so long to get to it, but it's a really messed up case. Okay. Like messed up crazy or like messed up like it's going to give me nightmares? Like messed up, it makes no sense. Like it there doesn't seem to be a reason why this happened. Like just solely a result of poor life choices. Yes. Okay. Okay. Sherry was 28 when these events took place. She was a mother to a young boy. He was like six years old. And like a lot of people, she fell on hard times and ended up turning to drugs and alcohol. Yeesh. It's never a good, never a good thing. She had gone to rehab several times and tried to get clean, but relapsed shortly before her murder. Spoiler alert, she... Oh, she's the one who gets murdered. She's the one who gets murdered. Oh, I thought she was doing the murdering. No. Okay. So, to me, like, the girl who requested this case, she said no other podcast has really covered this, and I couldn't find a podcast that covered it. And I feel like that's because maybe her life choices... Like, because she was on drugs and things, people kind of overlook it. I feel like that's dumb. Like, sh- her story deserves to be told, regardless of her life choices. For sure. But I will say I didn't find, like, a whole lot of in-depth information on, like, her background before this happened. It's mostly just about what happened. 
Gotcha. Okay. So Sherry lived in New Britain, Connecticut. And on the night of May 24th, 1995, she went to a bar with a friend named Nicole in a town called Bristol. Okay. They're really taking this whole New England thing to an extreme. Okay. Connecticut. (laughs) All right. Got it. The women met up with two brothers. Their names were Patrick and James Walsh. So at the time, Patrick was 32 years old. All right. He was an ex uh, firefighter. He got fired from that job in ni- in 1990. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. But it never says why he was fired, just that he got fired from being a firefighter. From what I could tell, Sherry and Patrick knew each other previously. Like, some things said that she had dated him, but I don't think that that's true. I think it was more of, like, a, you know, shady dealing situation. Mm-hmm. He, at the time, had a live-in girlfriend. Her name was Kelly Dunn. So, I don't think, like, some reports said that him and Sherry were dating. I don't think that's true. Right, because of Miss Dunn. Right. Now, around 1 a.m. on the 24th, Sherry drove herself, Patrick, and Nicole to a Catholic war veterans club. So, like, a pr- it was like a private club for veterans. Okay. And it was in New Britain. Now, the thing was is that this club was no longer really, like, a private thing for veterans or catholic veterans it had been being taken over by a motorcycle gang oh oh you know what hey <laughs> if if some motorcycle there is a christian motorcycle gang out there i'm pretty sure yeah i think there is there's like a a big one yeah. i don't remember what they're called but i mean far be it for me to say hey don't go to the catholic war vet place if you're a motorcycle gang, good for you. Yeah, except this wasn't like just any motorcycle gang. It was the Hells Angels. Of course it was. So Irony. Yeah. <laughs> so they drove there in Sherry's car and James drove Patrick's truck. So he like followed behind them in Patrick's truck. Okay. Not long after they arrived, for some reason, Nicole wanted to leave. She took Sherry's car home because Sherry didn't want to leave yet. And she told Patrick to make sure he got Sherry home safe. Right. So Sherry and Patrick with Patrick's truck. That's it. Right. And James. James is still there. His brother. Uh, Yes. Forgot. Now, at some point, James leaves. But Sherry and Patrick stay at this club until 430 in the morning. Dang. Yeah. Having a good old time. Yeah. And when they leave here, they go to Patrick's tattoo parlor. Okay. He co owns a tattoo parlor called Skin Dance. Uh, okay. <laughs> Skin Dance and the Tattoo Kid. Yeah. I guess. Okay. No. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. Okay. So he was not an active member of this motorcycle gang, but he was trying to join the gang. Patrick's trying to join the Hells Angels. Yes. 
but he was not currently at this time an active member of the gang. They knew him. He had friends that were in there, but he had not passed the initiation or whatever to actually get in this gang. Right. Okay. And the only reason I bring this up is because it was kind of a big deal later on in the story. Now, when they get to this tattoo parlor, no one really knows exactly what happens except for Patrick. Because at some point after they arrived, Sherry was stabbed eight times in the back of the head and neck, plus hit in the back of the head with a ball-peen hammer. Hey, my eyes are about the size of dinner plates right now. What? Yeah, it escalated quickly. Yeah. Yeah, you're not kidding. What I mean, okay, uh, okay. Yeah. How? how what? <laughs> I'm. I. This is just. I. I get that she's hanging out with Hell's Angels, but I feel like you would still have to have done something wrong to get all of that. Right. Now the problem is, is from what I found doing research, all that is known about what happened is from other people that Patrick supposedly told. Okay, so there's no, well, I guess that makes sense. There's no witnesses coming forward. The witnesses would have been Hell's Angels. Well, there it was just the two of them in this tattoo shop. So there's, oh, it, it's like first thing in the morning, it's only him and her in this tattoo shop, supposedly. Now he tries to say something different, later on okay so i think i must have gotten confused none of the hell's angels came with them to the tattoo parlor now according to people he told the story to no it was just the two of them now later when he goes to court he does say other people were there so there's two different stories being told well multiple different stories and he has never told the true story okay so initially he's saying it was just the two of them and then she mysteriously turns up all stabbed up the next day oh no he it we'll get into it bobby he tells his brother what happened oh but kind of so on the 25th of may Patrick calls James and asked him to come to the tattoo shop because there was an emergency. He sounds like frantic and distressed over the phone, but for some reason he has to like call James multiple times to get him to actually come to the tattoo shop. When James arrived, he claimed the curtains were drawn and the doors were locked and When Patrick let him in, he told James that he stabbed Sherry, killing her. Which makes sense if it was just the two of them. Exactly. Now, Patrick also supposedly told his brother that he started stabbing her in the back room of the shop after the two got into a fight and she tried to run away from him. That's the story he told his brother. Like, they got into an argument, she tried to run away. He chased her down and started stabbing her. Mm, I don't know about all that. Right. So there is a point in this attack that he is stabbing her and 
the knife blade breaks off the handle, cutting his pinky finger, like, really badly. So when James arrives, he does say that he had a napkin wrapped around his finger that was covered in blood. Patrick tells James that the fight started in the back, and then she was fighting really hard. He drug her to the front of the shop and then hit her with the hammer and then started stabbing her again. My word. This guy. Yeah. Now, in her autopsy, it did show that one of these stab wounds like caused instant paralysis and then killed her. But it wasn't one of the first ones. So she did fight back, and tried to get away from him. Good. Before she was murdered. Good. After he confessed this to James, he asked him if he would help clean up all the blood. Seriously? Yeah. Some things I read said that Patrick had put Sherry's body in a wooden box and then put the box inside of a giant industrial-sized trash bag. Other things just said he put her in a black trash bag before James got there. I don't know which one is true because all the articles I read said different things. It's all contradictory, but I guess my question here is, was there dismemberment involved? Or he just... No. Was she a little person? Like She She was small. Okay. She was, I would say, like... I think she was, like, my height and 100 pounds. Okay. So, tall, but skinny. Gotcha. Now, for some reason, James helped him clean. And while the two of them were cleaning, Patrick's employees, because other people work at this tattoo shop, show up, and he initially tells them to leave and come back later, giving them no real explanation of why. Of course not. So then they do leave. Sorry, guys. Come back later. We have so much blood to clean up. It's right. just been a real pain. But we'll let you know. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, pretty what? much. Well, then they come back later. And at this point, I guess there was so much blood to clean up that he was like, fuck it. Y'all need to come in and help me. So now he has three people helping him clean blood. Why did they help him? I don't know. James and one of these employees are the ones that loaded Sherry's body into the back of Patrick's truck. Okay, so they obviously know it's a body at this point? So they claimed no because it was just a black trash bag or a box inside of a trash bag. Either way, James knew it was a body, but these employees were claiming no. They didn't know that it was a body at first, but later on he starts telling people that he killed a a dude, not a girl. So after the body is put in the back of his truck, Patrick calls his girlfriend, Kelly, and she would later say he was upset and demanded that that she bring him a clean pair of pants and the financial records for the tattoo shop. When she got there, she said she found him shirtless, smelling like alcohol, and he had a bloody band-aid on his pinky finger. According to her, Patrick told her to get 
inside and help the other people clean. And at some point, she realized there was a body in the back of his truck. And he told her to keep her fucking mouth shut because there was plenty of room in there for her also. So he threatened her life. While everyone continued to clean up his mess, Patrick was calling his tattoo clients to cancel appointments. He told them that the pipes burst in the shop. He changed his jeans. He gave Kelly the old pair, which she said were soaked in blood, and told her to wash them with lots of bleach. She then left the shop because she had to go pick up his kids. This man has children. And she said that she didn't see him again until the next day. So she just kept his kids overnight? Yeah. You know what? Better that they're not with him. Yeah. Well, later on the 25th, Patrick and James drive to New Hampshire to the property of one of his biker friends. His name was Garrett Gardner. But on the way to Garrett's, Patrick stopped at a different friend's house in Massachusetts. All right. Now, he is a dumbass and told this friend that he killed a man at his tattoo shop and that the body was in his truck and he needed to borrow shovels because he was going to drive the body to Garrett's property and bury it. Like, dude, how many people are you going to fucking tell? Everybody he can. (laughs) Everybody. Well, at the time, Garrett and his wife lived out of state and this property that they owned had like a house on it and they rented it out. But when Patrick buried Sherry's body there, the property was vacant. Like nobody was renting it at the time. So Patrick and James dug a shallow grave at the border of the property and placed Sherry's body inside along with whatever belongings she had with her. Even though Sherry was going through stuff and was reportedly drinking and possibly doing drugs, she called her mom every single day to talk to her mom and her son. Like, even though she was going through this hard shit, she still checked in on her son every day. Right. Well, when she failed to do that on the 25th, her mom immediately knew something was wrong. She was like, this is not my daughter. She calls me every single day. When Patrick got home, Sherry's family and friends were already looking for her. So he didn't have like a she's been missing for weeks kind of a deal. It was like within the day. Right. They showed up at the tattoo shop because Nicole, her friend, said, I left her with this Patrick guy. So they went to talk to him. When they asked where she was, like asked Patrick, he told her family that he left her at the Catholic War Veterans Club that night and that maybe she, they should look at uh, various crack houses in the area because Sherry, he was like, you know she's a crackhead. What an asshole. Right? Now, the family reported Sherry missing pretty quickly from what I could see. Good. And when police went to question Patrick, he told them that he saw her in the parking lot that night leaving with two women in a brown car. And that's all he knew. That's what he tried to tell the police. 
isn't that contradictory to what he told the family? Yes. Now, at some point, he also told the family that he, I don't know why he would say this, but according to her uncle, he told them that she got, he saw her get murdered by a Mexican gang. Wow. It's just whatever he can think <laughs> up on the spot. Forget what he said already. Yeah. This is what it is now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This guy, man. Now, when he went home to Kelly, he told her the truth, that he went to New Hampshire and buried a body. He did tell her it was a man, not a woman. And he said the reason he killed this person is because they got into an argument that turned into a fight, and during the fight, he saw a steak knife and stuck it into the back of the victim's head. But they did not die right away. So the fight continued towards the front of the shop. He twisted the knife, and at that moment, the victim turned to jelly and fell to the floor. So this is what he's now telling Kelly. She also remembered him saying that the victim was small and it surprised him how much of a fight they put up and that when trying to load the body into the bag, he struggled to the point where he got frustrated and started punching the body. That I believe. Yeah, I believe that. And you're fucking telling your girlfriend this stupid ass. He also told her how he cut his pinky finger. And said he was worried that his career as a tattoo artist was going to be over because of how deeply he cut his finger. Like, who gives a fuck, dude? You're, it's going to be over because you're going to prison. Well, he's not thinking of it like that. No. He's thinking, I got away with this. I'll just keep telling him whatever. Dumb shit. Whatever makes him go away. I'm it's good. so fucking stupid. After all of this... He told Kelly that if she went to the police, that he would kill her and her family. And was like, obviously, you know I will, because I killed this person. Yes, because it is so easy to do that from police custody. Right. Now, it's no surprise what this dickwad was actually doing to Kelly. It's a great name for him, by the way. Yeah, Dickwad. He's yeah, a Dickwad. He is a Dickwad. I came up with that myself. You like it? Yeah, fuck that guy. So he had always been abusing Kelly, mm-hmm. and he was also abusing his ex-wife, Pamela Walsh. The, she was the mother of his kids. Like, even though they were divorced, he was still abusing both of them. The two of them, Kelly and Pamela, became friends because of their shared abuse from this fucking dickwad. And they finally got the courage to run away from him on August 6th of 1995, and they went together to a battered woman's shelter. Good. While they were there, they told a counselor about Patrick and what he had done. And the counselor urged them to go to the police. Also good. So they went to the police on August 9th. I'm assuming at this point Patrick had told both women that he killed Sherry because they said her body is here. Like, by this point, they knew it wasn't a man that he had killed a woman. Right. I mean, 
I'm I, sure I don't over, think they're like, stupid. I'm no. sure they figured it. It's not hard to figure out. Well, and I'm sure he used it as part of his abuse. Like, I killed that fucking woman. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Well, several days later, so on August 11th, the New Britain Police, the Connecticut State Police, along with the New Hampshire State Police, obtained search warrants and went to Garrett's property and the tattoo shop. And I think his house. So it didn't take them very long to find Sherry's body. She was naked from the waist down and obviously had all of those horrible injuries. They, when they searched the tattoo shop, they found blood on the carpet, still on the floor, and a curtain in the front. Now, it's 1995, so yes, they had DNA it was pretty rudimentary at that point. Right. It All it did was say that it was a genetic match to Sherry. So pretty much they had the same, it was the same blood type. It wasn't like they could say 100% this is hers. It just had the same blood type as her. Gotcha. And like this story couldn't be more tragic, when police went to tell Sherry's mother, Joyce, that they had found her body... The way this is described is like the police are standing in front of Joyce telling her, we found your daughter's body. She was murdered. Joyce falls to the floor and has a massive heart attack, dying before she reaches the hospital. Holy crap. So she dies while they're telling her her daughter's body was found. Yeah, I could see that happening, but man. And it's crazy because most of the things I read said she was only, like, her mother was only 49. So it wasn't like she was in her 60s or 70s and had a heart attack. She she wasn't wasn't even 50. Right. Jesus. So now not only did the remaining members of this family have to bury Sherry, but also Joyce. So they had a joint funeral for the two of them on August 17th. And but Patrick was arrested on murder charges on August 14th. Well, at least he wasn't able to attend the fucking funeral. No. During his trial, he claimed that he was sexually intimate with Sherry, but did not murder her. When asked about his finger, he claimed he cut it while working on a motorcycle in a garage. And of course, one of his friends testified that that was true. Mm hmm. His story when, because he actually testified in his trial, his story was he was socializing at the Veterans Club with Sherry and some other people when he was paged by a biker associate who asked him where he could buy some narcotics. He claimed he arranged to meet this associate and a couple other people at the tattoo shop. He said he saw Sherry in the parking lot of the club when he left with his friends, but somehow she showed up at the tattoo shop not long after him and his friends got there, just Mm -hmm. magically. He claimed that she was very intoxicated and was also looking for narcotics, to which he told her to go in the back room of the shop where his friends were because they had the drugs. Once she was back there, he heard an angry male voice say, I'm going to kill you. He then saw Sherry face down on the floor, and he knew she was dead. So he claimed there were four men in this back room, 
but would not give their real names. Mm-hmm. He would only give their biker names, which were Big Pete, Knucklehead Dave, Wrench, and Gary. Just love the Gary. Just Gary. Just Gary. Okay. <laughs> Hardcore biker name. I guess at the time, the police had, like, undercover cops working inside these motorcycle gangs. Mm-hmm. Good. And... Th- these undercover cops testified and they were like, mm, no, there's no one by those names. Mm, those people don't exist. They don't exist. So you're lying. Mm-hmm. Patrick's story was that the men began to argue about where to get rid of Sherry's body. Like some of them, he said, wanted to throw her in the dumpster outside. Some of them wanted to take her to a different dumpster. Who knows? But his story is is they fought and he punched one of them in the face. And so the men were like, you know what? Fuck you, Patrick. You get to dispose of her body now. And they left. Oh, how convenient. (laughs) How conveniently inconvenient for him. Yeah. Somehow, though, this crazy bullshit that he's told resulted in a hung jury. So it was a mistrial. As if you... Throw enough bullshit at the wall, some of it's going to stick. Well, unlucky for him, the district attorney was like, no, we are trying him again as soon as possible. So they did. But this time, they weren't allowed to refer to the motorcycle gang by its actual name because they thought that that, like, put fear in people almost or it was like insinuating things to the jury don't convict someone who's associated with the hell's angels they'll come for you type of attitude mentality yeah and they also pretty much told patrick that he could not talk about these four men again in his next trial unless he gave their actual names and a way for the police to find them to talk to them. There we go. And he refused to do that, saying he was scared for his own life. Okay? Because witness protection doesn't exist. That's right. not a thing. Come on, man. So in his second trial, he was found guilty of murdering Sherry. Of course he was, because he's guilty. Yeah. Her family was upset a, a little bit, though, because the most he could get was 60 years. and. So they were like, he's going to get out eventually because he's only 32. And he ended up getting 55 years in prison. And I'm going to leave you with the fact that her son was adopted by her brother and his wife. And I really, truly hope he has the greatest life because it sucks for him that he lost his mother and his grandmother at the same time. And from what I could see, his grandmother had been raising him mm-hmm. while she was going through all of her stuff. So that'd be rough oh, on yeah. that little boy. Oh yeah, for sure. It's a fucked up story. Like absolutely. And there's no motive, and he's still claiming he's innocent. I don't know. By the sounds of it, he was trying to essay this woman. I. That's my thought. Is yeah, he was trying to. S- to do that to her, and she started fighting back, and he got pissed and stabbed her. Yeah. Yes. That's what it sounds like to me. But 
he is refusing to say what happens because to him he's innocent. That's Um, what the story he's sticking to. uh, Of course it is. Except (sighs) when you talk to 50 people before you got arrested. Right. And all 50 of them have a different story. Yeah. Ridiculous. All right. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you let us know. Leave us five stars. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell, the notification bell, so you get notified when new episodes come out. And uh, share the episode. Share the episode with anyone and everyone as long as it's, you know, age appropriate. Don't share it with your six-year-old. That's probably not a good idea. No. But all that said, I guess we'll see y'all back next week. Our bye is going to be weird. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>